Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for See, Jesus is on the earth to do the will of God. God the Father is the one who determines who sits on his right and his left. And I think that's a beautiful picture. Jesus says, my ambition is to please the Father. Watch my model. You please God. Second thing you want to write this morning. Selfish ambition harms other Christ followers. Selfish ambition in my life harms other Christ followers. There should be only one thing that fuels your passion for living, and that is to please God the Father. Today, Pastor Mark speaks on the danger of selfish ambition. If you only look out for yourself, you're going to hurt those close to you and break down relationships. Jesus' example on earth was one centered around servanthood and sacrifice. What's behind your ambitions today? Do you seek to serve God and others before yourself? The Lord desires for us to follow after Him, knowing that doing so will conform our passions to His. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all this information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues with his message entitled, Redirected Ambition. Here's the one that we're going to talk about this morning. What's it say? Selfish what? Tell me. Selfish ambition? Selfish ambition is is a work of the flesh? Yes. And it goes on. Dissensions, factions. We'll see how that plays out today. And envy. That also plays out this morning. Drunkenness, orgies. All of you say, I made it through the list. I didn't find one of me. That's all right. Paul finishes with you. And he says, and the like. You're proud he got you, killed you right there on that one. Now, how important is it that we understand what these are? And how important is it that they don't rule our life? Oh, they're going to pop up once in a while to the top, but they can't rule our life. How do I know that? Look at the next verse. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, in other words, it's a lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, if I call myself a Christian, but that list is at home in me, that's really who I am. That's how I live my life. Very little spiritual at all. Then I want to say to you, probably you never ever were really converted. Now we all bounce into some of those things once in a while. You're going to see how it does this morning. We're a work in progress. But it can't rule my life. So if you're here this morning, you go, well, that's, that defined me perfectly. But I became, I mean, I came to an altar a long time. I went to a Greg, a Lori, Con- a man, a Harper, Billy Graham. No, no, you never really got saved. 
You, you won't go in the kingdom of God. You can't go to heaven. So we have to get that order back in. So Paul says, be careful, be careful, because this is very important. When I was born again, my purpose and ambition changed from focusing on Mark Balmer to promoting God. Now, I have lapses, just as you do, of issues where I kind of want to rule, but I have to let God do that in my life. So, as you know, this is where Jesus begins to pick apart the hearts of his 12 disciples. Back to Matthew chapter 20, look at verse 20, 20, 20, Matthew. I think it's an interesting word. Jesus just says, I'm going to the cross, gives all this stuff what's happening to him. And somehow in this private meeting, James and John invite their mom in, a Jewish mom. Look how verse 20 starts. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on the right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now you talk about bad timing. Jesus just talks about going to the cross. The very next thing we hear is, hey, can I sit on the right or left of you? Salome, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, James and John, She comes and asks a favor. It's very interesting. Not only is the timing wrong, but of course the whole question is wrong. But remember, Jesus had relationship with his 12. He had the 12, then he had the three, and then he had the one. They were always a little more intimacy in those relationships. Well, the threesome were James, John, and Peter. Peter isn't part of this deal. Oh, that's going to be a problem later. In fact, the other 10 aren't a part of this deal. So you can already see that there's, we we studied about the works of the flesh, selfish ambition and dissensions, envy, jealousy. It comes as a package. You can see it beginning to happen. Now, first thing I want you to write, there's going to be four keys today, is this. Number one, selfish ambition harms me, a Christ follower. Obviously, neither the mother or James or John understood what Jesus had just said. But you can't really fault the mother. A Jewish mom, for sure, wants really good for her kids. But any mother really wants good. It's a natural desire for a mom or a dad or parents to see their boys promoted, their girls promoted and honored. The right and the left are places of honor, places of power, places of prestige. So James and John somehow got mom to come there, do their deal for them, ask a favor. They were only promoting themselves. They're not promoting God. They're in the inner group. They're looking out for number one. Paul would later write this in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Well, how is Jesus going to respond to this inappropriate, wrong timing, totally off the wall question about ambition? Well, look at verse 22. You don't really know 
What you're asking, Jesus said to them. So Jesus, well, he answers frankly, and he he answers directly, and he kind of says this, you don't have a clue what you're asking. I think two important keys for us today. First, Jesus says, you don't know what you're, you're asking just for yourself. I mean, I just told you, I'm going to the cross, and your focus is not on me and praying for me and helping me get through this very difficult time that's coming. The focus is on you. What's up with that? Now, think about this. Think how often our prayers are selfish, are self-centered. Do a little, I mean, the title of our teaching this morning is Redirected Ambition. Think here in Melbourne and up in Vieira and watching by the internet. Think, think this week, how many of your prayers were concerned with me, my family, my health, my situation, my wishes, my desire, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Your prayers are all for you. What's up with that? See, this helps us because in there are thousands of names here in Enviera that we're praying for other people. See, intercessory prayer is huge. So look at your ambitious request to God this week. I have to do the same for my prayer journal. Force yourself to intercessory prayer some, to pray for situations, people, outside of you and even your, even your immediate family. Nothing wrong with that, but force yourself wider. Quite often people will stop me in the, in the store and they'll say, uh, you don't know me, but I know you. And I go, good, what's your name? Try to introduce myself. And they say this, I, I pray for you quite often. That's very humbling. But thank you. I need it. All the pastors and the elders here need prayer. We're just men. We need your prayers. So think about this. Jesus says to these two, I mean, really, who should they have been praying about? Jesus. But they're focused on themselves. Intercessory prayer. Well, there's another way to take this. He says, you don't know what you're asking. I think that's so important in my life. Very often when I pray for a situation, I don't even know how to pray. Now Romans 8 says, the Spirit can help me to pray. And here's how he helps me to pray. He helps me with the understanding of of his will. As I got older, I've learned to do something. And I want to give you a clue this morning. Relax. God's in control. You see, as I'm functioning and serving him, he just arranges all the people and he brings them here. How about your life? Are you asking the wrong questions? God, I've kind of got my mind made up. This is the way I want it to go. It's going to look like this. And over here, and there's my office. Oh, that's going to be a great office. And this is the person I'm dating. It's absolutely careful. Remember, we talked last week that sometimes, you, you know what God will do sometimes? If you keep at him, he'll give you what you ask for. Oh, and sometimes you don't want it. So Jesus says, this is a perfect case. Jesus says, you want to be in the right and left? You want to be part of my people? You don't know what you're asking for. 
What do you mean I don't? I certainly do know it. No, you don't. So this morning, the operative word is relax. Trust God. Pray. He'll arrange the circumstances in your life. Could I hear like maybe one amen from somebody out there? Was it that bad? Is that true? It's absolutely true. That's why I relax. Because I know God's in control. Well, what is, what have they asked for? Jesus knows what's coming. Look at verse 22. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Now here's the two boys. Oh yeah, no problem, man. We can do it. That's the Balmer translation. We got it down. We got it down. I mean, we wouldn't have asked until we knew we could do it. Well, what is the cup Jesus is talking about? It's a cup of judgment and suffering. It's the cup of the cross. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from, and I want you to circle something in your Bibles. You will indeed drink from, circle my, my cup. Well, why? I mean, I don't like to drink out of somebody else's cup. Do you? He says, you're going to drink from my cup. What does that mean? Well, first, Jesus knew their future. They didn't. Jesus says, you're going to drink from the same cup of suffering. Why is it called my cup? Because you're going to be identified with me. Let me just say this to you, and then I'm going to take a little dissection. If you're going to become a Christian, if you're going to become a Christ follower, it will cost you. Jesus says to these two, you think you know what you've asked for? You don't have a clue. Because who became the first martyr? James. Why was he martyred? Because his name was James? No, he was martyred because he was a Christ follower. John the apostle, the last apostle to die, banished to the island of Patmos. Just before that, they threw John the Apostle in, a, boil of, uh, in a, a pot of boiling oil. He survived it miraculously from God. They banished him. He died because his name was John? No, because he was a Christ follower. You see, if you're going to serve Christ, it's going to cost you. It might cost you a promotion. <laughs> Christ follower, and he guy's a religious freak. She's crazy. It might cost you a friend. For some of you, you're dating an unbeliever. It will cost you if you do the right thing, that relationship. You can't have an unbeliever and a believer. You can't go into business with an unbeliever. It's going to cost you. But let me give you a clue. It always costs us to serve Jesus Christ. But it costs us more not to serve Jesus Christ. See, these guys would catch it later. They didn't get it now. They wanted to be the right and the left in the new administration. It was going to be great. Jesus said, you don't, you, you don't know what you're asking. Your motive, your motive is simply wrong. So if I promote myself, it's going to cost me. As a pastor, if I try to promote myself, it'll cost me. Why? Because God won't use me. Let me give you a clue. Watch Christian TV at the end of the teaching. See if you can think if that person promoted themselves or if they promoted Christ. 
very easy to see. So really, this cup of suffering, well, that's what I do as a Christian. See, once I become a Christian, I'm not my own anymore. And Jesus says, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to deny self. You're going to have to take up your own cross, and you're going to have to follow me. But that's the greatest lifestyle in the world. That's awesome. Well, I'm teaching those people, and I see those kids going out. Do you think I was humbled? Sure, I was humbled. When's the last time I went out to the street and got beaten for Christ? And I'm teaching them. No, when I was there, every time I go, they teach me volumes. Jesus says, you got the wrong attitude. You're promoting yourself. You're trying to, put you, you're trying to manipulate yourself up to there. No, no, no. Promote God. Well, now he shows humility. Look at verse 23. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant, Jesus says. These places belong to those to whom they've been prepared by my Father. See, Jesus is on the earth to do the will of God. God the Father is the one who determines who sits on his right and his left. And I think that's a beautiful picture. Jesus says, my ambition is to please the Father. Watch my model. You please God. Second thing you want to write this morning. Selfish ambition harms other Christ followers. Selfish ambition in my life harms other Christ followers. Look at verse 24. And when the ten heard about this, they were, say it with me, indignant. Say it with a little energy. Indignant with the two brothers. Now, how did that work? (laughs) We don't know. Remember, this is a private little teaching of 12. Somehow, James and John's mom gets in there. Mom leaves. And I can see Peter going over because they were really tight, the three of them. What's your mind here for? What was that whispering I heard up there? What were they asking? Oh, there's nothing. Not really. None of your business. It's fine. It's okay. What? No. What, what were they asking? What were you asking? So they tell them. And what's the response? Hey, that's cool. You got a chance to be up there first, right? That's nice. No, that's not nice. Remember, selfish ambition leads to what? Divisions and dissensions. So all of a sudden, this unified team is not unified anymore. These 12 now have the chance to divide into all kinds of factions. If you fly a lot, um, quite often, you earn so many miles at an airline, if you fly, if you're loyal to them, they'll put you in their, in their status club, like gold medallion or premium executive with United, those kind of things. And what that means is that you can go to an airport, and of course I fly tourists just like the rest of us do, back in the economy with the red, other cattle, you just get in and moo, you know, whatever. But if, if you happen to go in a certain flight and, and you're an executive flyer, they'll sometimes upgrade you to business class in the United States for free if there's empty seats. And it goes by, well, this guy has a platinum and then this one's gold and this one's silver. So quite often I'm the silver guy or whatever, and that's, you're the last on the totem pole. But you go to the airport, for instance, like with Delta, and they'll have a sign up there and he says there's five business seats empty. And uh, they put the name of the people who are in their list. And I, you know, just say I'm number three. So I'm there praising God, man, I'm going to get business class going over to California, whatever, this is going to be really great. And you're half hour or so from the flight, and you see other people coming in. 
Well, I've done this enough that you look at them like, I hope you're not a platinum. Because <laughs> if he's a platinum, where does he go? He, he goes ahead of me. And the list changes. So you're praying, you're praying in tongues, and you're just praying for God to, <laughs> to open this stuff right. And, and what happens? I watch, and pretty soon I'm number four. So then I get your prayer rug out, and you're really going for it, man. I mean. And we're 20 minutes into the flight. We, I know then they bonk it off. It's over with. And I look up, and my name isn't on the screen. Garguzo. Now I'm saying, God, I mean, I'm your servant. What's up with that? How come, how come, how come I fell off the list? Those other guys went ahead of me. And, of course, what makes it worse now is... You have to get on the plane, and always you have to walk through business class. <laughs> and you walk by and you go, God, that was my seat. That, that was my seat, the leather one. You know, the big leather one? And then you keep walking back here with a, ooh. <laughs> you get in this little clay. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Because, see, when I'm out usually in here and, and God graces me with it, I'm always gracious to those people. Stretch out. No, I'm just kidding you. You see, so what happened is, like at that airline, these ten disciples are looking at James and John in a in a different light. We're, we're supposed to be a team here. Why did you ask for the right and the left? Now, why did they ask for the right and the left? Was it like because, well, you know why it was. They're mad because they didn't ask for the right or the left. It wasn't some holy deal. These guys got ahead of them. Look at what James 3.16 says. By the way, if you want to do a great Bible study, just use, go through your computer Bible program and look up selfish ambition. Look what James says. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find Disorder, and this is very interesting to me, and every evil practice. Let's bring it away from the airline. Let's bring it away from the disciples. Let's bring it right here in this church. Do you think there could be selfish ambition in the church and disorder and, and, and jealousy in a church? Do you, do you think there could be jealousy among pastors and elders and spiritual leaders? Do you think spiritual people in a church would try to get their own way and sometimes even step over others to get the preferred place? The answer to all those questions is yes. Why? Because we're still a work in progress. Selfish ambition hurts the entire culture of the church body. Paul's ambition was to always preach the good news. Can we say that about ourselves? Today, Pastor Mark warned listeners against the dangers of selfish ambition in the church. Christ called us to be a unified body that supports and puts the needs of others above our own. How can you begin to drown out the selfish ambition and pursue God in your life today? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. How would you feel if you knew you hindered the salvation process and the lives of others? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark challenges listeners to free themselves from all selfish ambitions for the sake of the unbelievers. Selfish ambition harms unbelievers. People from all spheres of life are attracted to unity. Once we begin to call ourselves Christians, we must be aware of who it is we are representing. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear